Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is From the Newsroom, the podcast presented by the Holland Sentinel staff. I'm Brian Ellis, Digital Director at the Sentinel. And today we have a special episode. We have a guest in our studio today. I'm joined today by Mika Weiss, who is Executive Director of Petal Holland. Executive Director? Director? Board Chair. Board Chair of Petal Holland. She wrote uh, Sunday's Living Sustainably column, focusing on um, bikeability. I don't know if that's a, a word, but bikeability in, uh, in Holland. Um, and I thought before we go, uh, you know, continue with the podcast, if you could give an introduction of yourself and a little bit of background and... Sure. So my name is Mika Weiss, and as we said, I'm the board chair of Petal Holland. Petal Holland is a new nonprofit organization. We're an advocacy group, and our goal is to make bicycling an easy choice for transportation and for recreation. So at this point, we're primarily doing advocacy and still working on organizing as a nonprofit. There's a lot that goes into that, we've learned. Uh, and uh, in the future, we hope to be doing a lot more education in the community and things like that as well. Great. You mentioned in your column um, that Holland, the biggest advantage going for Holland right now is it has such a small footprint. It doesn't take up a lot of space for mm-hmm. what we've got. Um, what other advantages? I don't know if you want to expound on that. Sure. So a lot of times we see this kind of innovation, transportation innovation, tends to start in the biggest cities. So things like bike share, uh, Washington, D.C., Paris, these large metropolitan areas tend to lead the way when it comes to bicycles, public transportation, things like that. And that's, that's just what cities tend to do. But they have a lot of disadvantages. Um, they already have so much traffic that it's really difficult for them to squeeze in bike lanes and things like that without really compromising the car footprint. And there's, there's even though they make a lot more sense in those dense urban context because bikes are smaller so basic geometry of them works a lot better in a big city it's a big push to remove parking and to remove car travel lanes so we don't have that Um, we have a lot more space on our streets the only area we really see a big crunch is downtown and even that's a fairly small area Um, and you know i was looking at our metropolitan area so figuring from about the lake to the east side of zealand and then, you know, north to maybe New Holland and, and to the south of town, it's, it's 10 or 12 miles. That's a doable bike ride for most people, long for a beginner. Uh, but that means that a lot of our journeys are only two to four miles. Now, 70% of journeys nationally are estimated to be two miles or less. And that's, that's a pretty reasonable ride if you have a safe place to do it. Now, in comparison, Chicago... Uh, just the city proper is three to four times that. It would take you a couple hours just to ride north to south through that. So that makes it not as viable for as many journeys as it, as it is for an area like ours. You mentioned the bike share programs. Mm-hmm. I used to live outside Chicago. 
when they inter- first introduced their bike share program, I think it's called Divi. Yes. The blue bikes. A lot of people were wondering who is going to, who's going to pay to rent a bike yeah. in this type of format. Essentially it's a, a station of bicycles lined up maybe 10 or 12 or so. Mm-hmm. You swipe your credit card. You'd say, I want the one in station one. You grab your bike and then I think you get, uh, an unlimited amount for the day. You can rent it by the day, and as long as you return it to another Divi station somewhere around the city. And a lot of people were just, they were confounded by what, would, and the tourists love it. You would drive through Chicago, and you'd just see a ton of Divi bikes out around town. Yeah, the tourists and the locals both. It's really, it's amazing yeah. how much that program has taken off. Do you ever see something like that coming to Holland? You know, there was a conversation about it a few years ago where there was a group meeting at City Hall and discussing if this was something that we could do in Holland. And we kind of came down with, oh, we're not sure quite yet. Right. Um, it seems to me that it would be viable if there were a partnership, say, between the downtown area and Hope College. I can see a lot of people doing, just hopping on for quick errands around there. Um, as far as the broader city goes, it's it would I don't know enough about how you choose where your bike stations would go. We don't have the density in a lot of other areas of town that makes it a little bit trickier. But in the downtown area, I can see that making a lot of sense. And there are scooter shares yeah. that are now out as well. Yeah. That, that adds another interesting layer as well. Okay. You talked about the advantages. What are some of the disadvantages facing the city of Holland? Well, boy, we have very few disadvantages. Um, That's good. I think we have, we have. I think there is a, a cultural sense that we are not dense enough for something like this. Um, you know, you that well, you have to drive everywhere because we've built everything around the car for so long that it is. It can be difficult to get places um, without a car. A lot of that, though, is correctable by changing the way that we arrange things. Um, I would say. Oh, there's another disadvantage I just had in my mind, and I lost it. So I'll come back to that if I think of it. Okay. <laughs> you mentioned, uh, you know, some things you need to change. Um, I would, I would have to think that one of those is just the mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched your TED talk this morning, and you mentioned when cars were first introduced into the streets, people <laughs> had this look like, "What are you doing in the street?" The street was at the turn of the century where you walked, where you, you know, there was a pedestrian avenue, much like in Europe. Uh, and now, you know, in a hundred years, <laughs> we're such a car-oriented society. Um, so how do you go about flipping that mentality? Incrementally. Okay. Um, I. It seems to me that you start with some of the basic things, like making sure people are safe crossing the street. Um, you know, we have we have real traffic speed problems in the neighborhoods. Calming the traffic. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go from everybody driving everywhere um, to nobody driving anywhere. I don't even know that I would put that out as a goal. We're not. We, we're not Paris. We're not Manhattan. Right. Uh, our our solutions are going to look different. But start with things like making it safer for people to walk make a create a minimum um bike grid so you can basically get around safely uh on on a dedicated bike space and then you go from there you know i think about when i was growing up it's hard for us to imagine a hundred years ago um and there were a hundred years ago it was more than even transportation these were playgrounds the streets were where the kids play and you look back at nursery rhymes and things like that and you see all the kids are out in the street well now that's neglect um but i can remember growing up I'm not I'm not that old and 
biking to school, walking to school, yeah. that was the norm. That was regular. Um, people who are around my age who grew up in my neighborhood have told me, yeah, we used to play in the street all the time. Are my kids run across the street when they're walking to school because they're afraid of the cars that are just traveling down it. So yeah. just calming the traffic a little bit can get us a long way just to, towards a more livable space. So in trying to achieve your goals, what type of uh, reaction are you getting from city and county government? Do you find that it really resonates with a lot of city council members or, or county government officials? We haven't engaged a lot with our elected officials at this point. We've talked a lot more to staff and in the planning process is kind of behind the scenes. Um, so as far as individual council members, I think there's a mix of, of opinions based on their own experiences within the city and what they're hearing from their constituents. On the whole, uh, we have a good relationship with the city government. We don't always, we might want them to move faster or more boldly, <laughs> but on the whole, the city of Holland is really moving in a good direction. I think there's a lot of awareness that um, it's good for our neighborhoods and for our downtown and for our city just to have more people who are out walking around the streets and biking around the streets. Um, the county is a little bit different. The county road commission is not a fan of really anything other than car transportation, and that gets a little bit tricky. So there are people in the county who are really forward-thinking, want to make sure that people have choices and options of ways to get around, um, but that is a little bit of a stickier wicket. Did you ever remember what that second option that came into your mind? No, I haven't. No? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Is there a city, I just thought of a question, is there a city in Michigan that you really, um, is the ideal for you, or you really would like people to look at and say, that's that's who we should uh, idolize and who we should emulate? Yeah, that's a good question. I wish I had more time to do bike tours around and, and check out yeah. more of these cities. Um, I went down to Carmel, Indiana a while back. They have a bike share. They're a, a little larger than us but not exponentially. They're not a Grand Rapids. Carmel's just outside Indianapolis? I think, I think it's so. on the north side? I think so. Okay. That sounds right. Um, and they have an interesting, they have some greenways that are going through their town and things like that. Um, I know that Traverse City uh, and Ann Arbor have both done a lot with their bicycles. Um, Ann Arbor is a recognized bicycle-friendly communi community, and East Lansing is as well. So if you are in those areas, that would be a great place to check out, but I haven't had the opportunity to bike around there myself yet. It seems like college towns yeah, really um, I guess kind of out of necessity because so many kids, mm -hmm. college kids, just don't have a car. To get from class, they have to take a bike or a scooter. And uh, Yeah, I even noticed that around here. When I just right. pay attention to who's coming down yeah. my street, I see a lot more a lot more people on bikes when the school is in session. Okay. Uh, you gave a TED Talk um, last year? I think it was last year. Okay. Yeah. Yep. If you could talk about that, we mentioned uh, you know, one of the points uh, that you brought up in that talk, where streets were once the pedestrian um, avenue um, before cars started rolling <laughs> over. Uh, I don't know if you'd like to uh, talk about that and what kind of reaction you got from that. I think it got people's wheels turning. We tend to look at <laughs> the way that things are and kind of not really kind of assume that they've always been that way. Yeah, cars were really controversial when they first came out yeah. uh, because, I mean, if you can imagine, the streets were the public space for everyone, and then all of a sudden, you know, these vehicles are going fast down them. Uh, there had been streetcars before, but automobiles were a little bit of a different thing. Um, but what's, what I find really interesting is to look at the way many different societies, cultures, areas have 
come to accommodate the car because they're not going away and that's okay there are a lot of advantages to them as well but how do we incorporate them into our spaces in ways that that make sense and um one of the one of the biggest issues in going all the way down the spectrum to an auto only society as opposed to it being an option is that there are so many people who can't or shouldn't be getting around by car you, know, you think about the idea of What's it like to take away grandma or grandpa's keys? That's a huge cultural touch point. We can all at least resonate with the concept. Um, we're not doing it very safely. A lot of people are being killed. About one in 100 of us right now will die in a car crash. That's when you multiply out our fatality rates at this point. Um, that's, that's where we're at. So moving the needle a little bit, I look at it not as mm, recreating something from the past, but rather as shifting 20%, say, towards a more multimodal society so our kids can get themselves to school and to activities by themselves. Um, and our people who are not able to afford a car are still able to get around. And it doesn't feel like a crisis when someone has a medical event and they're not able to get themselves around anymore. Or, you know, we start to see driving acuity decrease at about 75 years of age just statistically everybody varies but you know you can then say well how do we make it easier for people to make that choice for whatever reason um, to not drive anymore and in offering this kind of option that's really a positive thing for us as a society to follow up on that do you think that in some cases streets need to be redesigned um in particular, I'm thinking of in Zealand with their. And I'm going to butcher. Is it Wunderf or yeah, Wunderf is what it looks Wunderf, like. I'm yeah. sure that's not the Dutch pronunciation. <laughs> w o o n e r f. I yes. think is what it is, and it's a basic concept that uh, a lot of European cities um, have their side streets where it's a a blend of um, pedestrian, automotive, and bicycle traffic, and it's kind of like a free-for-all, but it the works. Con- yeah, the concept is that the car is the guest, so yes. the person who's driving is going slowly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that something that maybe Holland could eventually? I think so. I see yeah. a lot of potential for that. Right. Um, you know, we have very wide streets, and that makes traffic move very quickly. Um, we certainly don't have the traffic volumes that would require streets that are quite as wide as they are. Um you know, the, the, the issue that we run across, there are a few issues, but one of them is cost. And that when you start to talk about moving curbs and things yeah, like that, that yeah. all costs money. Now, in the long run, it can be less expensive because bike and pedestrian infrastructure is always cheaper than automotive infrastructure. But initially, yeah. there's that startup cost, which is tricky. But yeah, that's something that would be wonderful to see. And then the advantage, too, is that we don't have to, the police department doesn't have to worry about ticketing people for right. speeding or something. <laughs> the, the environment is kind of slowing people down. Right, right by itself uh, lastly before we let you go what encourage you encourages you about the future and the development of biking bicycling in the community there are a couple things that encourage me um one is that we've seen a tremendous growth in the number of bike lanes and dedicated bike spaces in the last few years and we've seen the ridership numbers increase right along with that and that just tells us that what's true other places is here as well, which is that people are looking for different ways to get around. Uh, and we've also had a pretty receptive community to that. Um, 
People like bikes. They like to be out on bikes. Uh, drivers are doing a better job all the time of yielding to people on bikes, and and we still see you know things we wish we didn't, but we're seeing a lot more of that. Um, yeah, there's a lot of room for growth, but but I'm very optimistic about Holland's future. Well, great. Uh, thank you, Mika Weiss, for joining us today, coming down to the Sentinel's office and being here for our podcast. I'm Brian Reynolds. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week on From the Newsroom. Thank you very much. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.